tell you what. I'll go turn the fryers back on and throw some wings in for you. Hey, thanks, Helen. Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Sunday Helmet Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. Today, we're going to be talking about the AAA Buffalo Bisons, who play in Buffalo, New York, of course. Later on in this episode, we'll have Baseball by Design wildlife correspondent Ranger Amy Burnett to talk about the American Bison. And of course, designer extraordinaire Dan Simon will be here with one of his Studio Simon Stumpers. Right now, I am super happy to be joined by Pat Malacaro, who is the manager of baseball communications for the Buffalo Bisons. That's not bison, it's bisons. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Pat, how are you doing? Yeah, good Good to chat with you, Paul. I've been able to see some of your stuff on social media. And uh, when you reached out, I was really looking forward to, to talking about bison baseball and really the history um, of this franchise, which is so entangled with uh, the logo, the the, the the community and all that uh, encompasses Bison's baseball. Well, there's there's so much history, right? I mean, that that word is really key to all of this. Before we uh, jump into the team, though, I just wanted to get a sense for uh, you know what it is that you've uh, that you do with the team, and uh, you know, and the role that you play, and and how you know you interact with this this brand. You're the broadcaster for the team, and we said manager of baseball communications, but you get to call the games, and so you get to say Bison's over and over again. What is what does this brand mean to you? Well, I'm somebody that grew up in Buffalo. I'm born and raised in Buffalo, uh, except for the time when I went away to school at Syracuse University. So I grew up when the ballpark, now uh, Salem Field at the time in eight, 1988, when it opened, it was called Pilot Field. I grew up going to games as a kid when the Bisons were drawing a million fans a year, when the aspirations were for Major League Baseball or bust in the early 90s. So I think that is part of my story uh, intertwined with the team is uh, it's so unique that I'm able to be a part of the organization. And uh, having worked for the team for over 20 years now, I got my start as a bat boy in, in 1999, worked in high school. It's, it was a great high school job for four years um, and got to stay in touch with the people that I worked with and for in those four years and uh, decided sports was the, the path I wanted to go down. Journalism ended up being the 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 road um, that led me to back to the broadcast booth. So I interned for the team. I've worked for the team uh, for on and off for over 20 years now. So to me, you know, Bison baseball isn't just something that uh, I've been able to just be a part of the last couple of years, but it's something I've really grown up on. And um, the, the logos, the history of the franchise, the players, all of it is something that I really take uh, and feel that uh, it is something that is really a part of, you know, how I tell my story. I'm so glad to know that that this this team is so personal to you. You've grown up with some some different brands for sure with this team. So uh, let's let's talk about that. You said 1999 was when you started with the team. Yeah, that was my first year, and at the time it was the sliding Buster logo, where Buster's sliding into the base, um, and it was a green, uh, a white white jersey with a green, black, and yellow accents to it, um, a green cap with a, a a B on the front of it, and that was a change. And the Bison's basically from when they returned to affiliated baseball, and we consider uh, in Bison baseball we have the entire history of the franchise that goes back to 1877. And you have the modern era, which is 1985 to the present, which mm -hmm. is the return to AAA baseball. There was a period of time where the Bisons didn't have 
baseball in Buffalo due to certain factors, but a return to AAA in 1985 is our modern era. So pretty much from 1985 up until now, we've had a uh, red, white, and blue uh, theme to our, our color scheme, except for the period from 1998 when the Bisons returned to the International League till about 2009 when the Bisons became affiliated with the Mets. And there was a four-year period where we were affiliated with the Mets and we had Mets colors. So really about a decade and a half worth of, uh, or actually almost two decades worth of uh, different colors, but pretty much the, the color scheme that everybody goes back to is what we wear right now and what we had when the ballpark opened in 1988 uh, was the the kind of the blue with red and white accents. And, um, you know, but when I, when I was bat boy, we had, um, you know, some really fun teams. It was affiliated with the then Cleveland Indian organization. Um, and every year the team was making the playoffs. Uh, so it was, it was just a fun time to be around. And, uh, the guys were, it was a light atmosphere in the clubhouse and really some great, great memories. So you, I have to bring this up because it's important to me. The logo that you referenced in 1998 the year before you started that you went that went all the way up to uh when you changed over to the Mets affiliate you said you called him the sliding buster because buster is the name of your mascot i have always thought of that logo as the sliding hunter pence because that logo looks just like hunter pence in my mind that's funny and, and uh you know i would not have thought of that but now every time i see it i'm going to think of hunter pence <laughs> and then you reference the uh the very metsy logo that you have you know there's some mets themes in that brand it's got a very sort of a realistic illustration of uh, of a bison. It's not cartoony. It's got the skyline behind it, a la the New York Mets with a baseball with the orange seams. So very Metsy brand. But this 2013 brand harkens back to that original 1985, the original modern era logo with Buster swinging at an incoming baseball. It's been sort of touched up and modernized. Obviously, that's pretty easy for fans to to take right like because you've got the newness and you also have nostalgia at the same time which i think fans you know appreciate both of those things you think about all the factors that go into it um when the bisons in that 1985 modern era uh, up until 1997 it was more of a midnight blue it wasn't mm -hmm. a lighter royal blue like the like we do have right now and that is one of the the modern twists to uh, the logo and the theme. And um, so that, that was one little change, but you're right. It is, you know, hearkening back to the days of, you know, when we had a million fans a season, when the Bisons were playing really well and having, uh, you know, really fun teams on the field. And, you know, that, that Buster logo is so iconic in Buffalo. And it's something that everybody really looks back to, whether it was, you know, the days of pilot field, whether it was because the teams were so fun. And remember the late eighties, early nineties, the Bisons, before they were affiliated with Cleveland, were part of the Pirates organization. So those those weren't pirate colors uh, that the mm -hmm. Bisons were wearing. Those were unique to them to, to their own. And uh, whether it was Tim Wakefield, some of the players that came through, it just kind of brings you back to that time frame and that that era. And I really think it was a nice uh, mixture of, of the old and the new, um, and, and allowing the Bison franchise to really you know kind of reset things. And don't forget, you know, with our friends up in Toronto, um, the Blue Jays are blue and white, but they mm -hmm. do wear their red alternates for Canada Day. So you know that the Canadian flag, red and white. There's a lot of synergy and in, in, in connections to um, you know not only the Bisons going back to what is tradition for the team, but also uh, kind of working in the the affiliation and, and the parent club and some of their themes as well. Absolutely. That logo was in the article that I wrote about this on sportslogos.net back in 2015. So it's been, you know, the, the logo was still relatively fresh when I covered this uh, for sportslogos.net. I indicated that it was created by a local ad firm or a local design firm called AdPro Sports 
but it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't one of the big firms that you went with. It was, you know, you worked with sort of a local partner to to refine this previous look. Understanding that your role with the team at the time did not necessarily involve, you know, discussions about the branding and and you know that level of decision making capacity. Can you speak to what the thinking was at the time to to not go with one of the big firms to to work with a local partner rather than you know this you know full on campaign? This isn't a knock against any of the, the the big firms, but I think one of the the things that makes our our franchise unique is we do try and keep it as local as possible, and mm. um, you know understanding what the fan base is. You know what better way than people that live in the area, work in the area. Ad Pro Sports uh, is a company that really we've worked with. Um, you know, at that time for for quite a few years, and they help us produce our our uniforms, and they help uh, you know produce a lot of our um, you know promotional. Uh, uh, items at the ballpark. So they're a group that we were very familiar with even back then, uh, you know, a decade later or so, um, you know, since this look debuted and, you know, whether it be uh, in-house graphic designers that we have on staff as well, helping to kind of refine the look, make sure that it, it was the brand that we wanted and sure there were tweaks. You know, we talked about the, the, the modernization, whether it was, you know, at the time in, in the late eighties, early nineties, it was a scripted Buffalo or Bison's across the front, and now it's the block lettering. So certain things we wanted to accomplish for, as an organization to to make it modern but unique at the same time. So I think you know again not to, to take a, a shot at any of the the big firms that do such a great job with logos and you know understanding the history and relationship that teams and fan bases can have with one another. I think that's one thing that really makes you know our organization as unique as we do try and keep it as local with as many people that uh, you know have have an invested stake in it already to to kind of bring bring the authenticity out of it yeah no and i can certainly appreciate that you know there's it's such an expansive field of minor league baseball and growing more expansive with the independent teams and the collegiate summer teams venturing into these high level brands that there's you know there's room for all sorts of approaches which is what makes doing this so much fun for me okay i want to get into the name of the team itself Understanding that you were not around in 1877 when the when the brand debuted, what is 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 it the oldest name in minor league baseball? Oh, you put me on the spot here. Oh. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it has to be one of the oldest. Um, Certainly, you know, one of the oldest. The the only. Th- the only thing is there was a period of time, like I, I mentioned earlier, when we didn't have affiliated baseball. Right. So that's where kind of the, the fly in the ointment comes in is from about 70 to 76 or 76 uh-huh. to 83 that there was no affiliated baseball in Buffalo. So like the longest consistent you know, nickname, it, it might it's something that I don't think we can lay claim to because there are certainly right. teams um, that have had longer, consistent, um, continual play in minor league baseball, but it's certainly one of those that it's not just minor leagues that there have been uh, the Bison's franchise has been part of major league baseball uh, prior to you know the Blue Jays playing in Buffalo in, in 2020. So uh, there are, there, there's been a couple of different uh, major league um, affiliations that the Bison's have had over the years that um, really are part of the conversation too. Well, I'm going to, I, I did a quick Google search here. And so, yeah, so it's not, this is not a list of the oldest continuous names. Buffalo Bisons, 1877, Chattanooga Lookouts, 1885, Toledo Mud Hens, 1896, Arkansas Travelers, 1901, Birmingham Barons, also 1901, and then it sort of goes on for a little while. So anyhow, so the name has been around for a long, long time. The It might seem obvious where it came from, but I'll just ask you the question. Why is a team in Buffalo, New York called the Bisons? 
Well, I mean, you, you look at all the different the mascots that the, that the teams have had over the years. It it's it's always been a, a Buffalo theme. Whether whether it's you know the the Bills, uh, it just kind of it just it just feels right because of the city the city name itself. So you know what what better way than um than to, than to you know nickname the team than the Bisons because it it just has that kind of look and that feel to it. So um, you know I, I obviously wasn't around back in 1877, and uh, I don't I don't quite know why we pluralized uh, Bisons instead of Bison. And uh, back that's one of the common questions I always get, and yeah. I don't honestly know the answer to that. Be, uh, <laughs> other than the fact that it's 1877, and Bison's probably sounded better than Bison because um, you know in this day and age, you know we have teams like the Thunder or, or the Jazz around, but the, you know back back then, very traditionalist, you would you, you wouldn't have maybe kept it just Bison. So uh, that's I know it's always a common question I get, and uh, you know it's even one you know. People will will say bison, uh, you know, not not even realizing, uh, you know, over the course of a broadcast and some of the road teams. So um, yeah. it is something that comes up quite often. Well, and it's not just the S on the end, but it's the it's the Z uh, in the middle, right? Like, as normally people would say bison, and you know, bison's is is pretty different. Yeah, and that's a that's a Western New York dialect thing, and, and okay. you know whether it's you know Worcester or you know Pawtucket, you know th- that's the one thing is it because of Western New Yorkers we we kind of make it bison's yeah like mm-hmm. like it's z's instead of s's so yeah, yeah. instead of bison or bison's uh, bison's is just the kind of uh, the dialect of, of of Western New Yorkers. When I wrote that sports logos article in 2015, I spoke with Brad Bisbing, and uh, who at the time was the director of public relations. And I asked him the same question, and he said, "That's been the name since 1877. Try to make us stop." Right. <laughs> and yeah. so, and so it seems like that's pretty consistent with what, what you're saying there. There's the 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 correlation between buffalo and bison in terms of not the city but the animal, right? Like the name buffalo, the name bison. There are people especially people in my life, one of whom may appear later on in this podcast uh, episode herself, who will get real pedantic with you about, uh, you know, whether a buffalo and a bison are the same animal. Buffalo has become sort of the colloquial word for the American bison. I'm all for that. I'm all for, you know, the colloquial use of buffalo to mean bison interchangeably. Is that something you live with every day? Do people come at you with that, or is this the first time you've heard it in forty years? This is honestly one of the first first <laughs> times, and we we did celebrate back in two thousand and sixteen when the American bison was named the national mammal of the United States. That was one of the first times I had really, you know, come across the the not just the the buffalo, uh, you know, moniker for for a bison. So it's something we celebrated at the ballpark. We had a, a poster giveaway. And that's the beauty of minor league baseball and, and sports, right? You know, things pop up throughout the course of the year. This happened early in the season in 2016 when when that was announced, and uh, we we put that out there pretty quickly. And uh, Brad Bisbing, who who you mentioned, uh, is such a big part of our organization, is now the assistant general manager. Does a great job of of making sure things like that go noticed and don't go un notice. So, um, we, we celebrate that and it's really something that other broadcasters, we all just kind of, I guess it's because it's sports and because, uh, you know, things are unique and quirky. Uh, I don't really get many questions about, about that, but it is something that, uh, every once in a while will come up. <laughs> well, I'm sure that baseball by designs, wildlife correspondent, Ranger Amy Burnett is going to bring up the fact that Buffalo scientifically speaking, Buffalo are, uh, in Asia and Africa and bison are in North America. We'll see what she has to say about that. But uh, I, I'm betting that that will come up later on in this conversation. 
What about, okay, you grew up in Buffalo. What about the name Buffalo? There's there's all sorts of different uh, origin stories about where the term Buffalo came from. Is there one that uh, that you grew up with as understanding is the the main reason? Yeah, the one that I've I've always understood is that it, it was uh, the Native American uh, term for uh, I believe the the Great River. Um, mm. So it, it, it's something. There is a, a great uh, history of the Native American um, re- relationship between uh, the 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 different um, uh, groups in, in Western New York, whether it's um, the, the Seneca Nation, which um, is is a partner of ours, and and they are um, just to the south of us uh, here in Western New York. Um, it's again dating back to the, the history and the tradition of of uh, of who who came before us here in Buffalo. So that's that's always kind of what I've grown up with uh, Buffalo as and you know over the years whether it's the 1901 Pan Am Exposition Buffalo being known as the City of Lights. Um you know it's it, there's been different um nicknames in different uh, historical moments over the years uh the 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 Erie Canal which here in Buffalo uh, we have been able to really uh restore and and celebrate you know for, with so much uh, change over the years. Um, we have an area called Canal Side, which has um, now so, some history of of the canal being built and and how that all has impacted our lives. And you know, we we still see it today, where there's these big grain elevators. Uh, General Mills is right down the street from the ballpark, and uh, we always talk about how the city smells like Cheerios because Cheerios <laughs> and Lucky Charms are what are what are made here in Western New York. And yeah. you see you see the boats pull right up to uh, the General Mills grain elevators, and you know, dumping the grain in, they make the Cheerios here, and that. It's still so, you know, even though we're over a couple of centuries removed from uh, the, the city being founded and, and the name, the name of the city and, and all these different things, um, you're still reminded of the, the greatness that the city's had in the past. That uh, Cheerios connection sounds like it might be a great alternate brand someday. That uh, That is ripe with possibilities there. Speaking of alternate brands, you all have had some fun ones. You have one of my very favorite of the uh, the food, the minor league baseball food based brands, the Food Frenzy. Maybe one of the most obvious ones, but you had to do it. I don't think there was any other direction you could go than to be the Buffalo Wings. Uh, that was unveiled in 2018. I'm hoping that that was just received super well, but I'm also hoping that there was debate over the actual wing itself. Like, does it look too crispy? Does it look too saucy? Like, the, I want I want to know that there was debate in internally and externally about that wing in your logo. Well, you can look to the two different designs right away. And and I actually, the, the original design that, that we unveiled in 2018 predated me by a year mm-hmm. um, as part of those conversations. But I, I do know that, you know, that that original design with the, with the, the drumstick um, mm-hmm. was was well received, but then in 2019, and in a look we re, um, re debuted this year in 2023 uh, with the flat was was such a such a hit. And you know, you take you take what worked well from 2018, and you and you kind of apply it to you know how you want to redesign it a little bit. You look look at our friends in Rochester where they've gone through a couple different iterations of the Rochester plates logo, mm-hmm. jerseys, and everything. You know, for, for us at the Bison's uh, to incorporate ranch or geez. I, uh, I just lost my Buffalo uh, uh, <laughs> residency card uh, to the, the blue cheese and, and the celery uh, as part of it. Um, you know, to be part of that, uh, that logo design is such a, a key part of it as well. So it's not just the wing itself. Um, it's the blue cheese that, that people will t- tell you there's, this place has the best blue cheese in Buffalo. It's not just, all right, we're going to get it from, from a can and, and, and pour it into a cup. Um, you know, different restaurants will, will put their little spin on it, add their little, <laughs> different uh flavor to it so that's such a part of uh 
folks eating wings in Buffalo and, um, and also the, the celery being the, the garnish at the end as well. So it's, it, those are the things that, that make it fun and, you know, tweaking it, changing it over, over a couple of years span and really um, refining it so that it, it's really the best version possible. When you eat wings and a plate comes out and there's six drums and six flats, which one do you reach for first? I'll go for the, the flats first. You go for the flats first. I go yeah. for the drums first. Maybe that makes me an amateur. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't grow up with buffalo wings, right? So, uh, but my my college roommate, junior and senior year of college, and one of the baseball palooza guys who does that road trip with me every year is from Syracuse and has very strong opinions about uh, about wings. And so I sort of learned from him. Well, and that's the funny thing is in Buffalo, we just call them wings. Like I I know we're everywhere else, Buffalo wings, because that's, you know, they were made popular at the anchor bar here, but you know, you just go out for wings and and there's different, it's not just, okay, I'm going to get a hot wing. I'm going to get a medium wing. Mm -hmm. There's different flavors. There's different Mm -hmm. textures to it. And, and everybody here in Buffalo has their own favorites. And that's what makes it fun as well. Just like, you know, if you go to New York city for pizza, I'm sure if you go to Philly for cheesesteak, sure. You go to Gino's and Pat's or you go to here in Buffalo, you go to the anchor bar, but there's so many different places in buffalo that have you know their unique spin on wings and that's what makes it fun and that's what makes the logo and design so much fun is you can go many different ways and different possibilities with it well and you mentioned celery as well the following year you had superhero night and your superhero was super celery and so that obviously is a wink and a nod to the the buffalo wing culture there as well how was super celery received uh, on superhero night it was so well received. And that was the year after that celery finally won its first race in the mascot race. And, <laughs> you know, every team had their Teddy Roosevelt in the Bisons. Yep. Celery was the the mascot that did not win a race uh, up until the end of the 2017 season. Um, and celery became a cult favorite. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was with the Bisons in 2018. And that's, I believe he was wearing that super celery jersey um, and hit a home run against, I think, when that was the team that the Bisons played that week. So uh, just some, some some funny coincidences and uh, memories that I remember of of the Bisons wearing those jerseys and yeah even today celery uh, people will ask why celery isn't in the mascot race or where celery is and um, it's such a a, a well um, received mascot that uh, fans still wanted to come out of retirement. I'd like to think that uh, Super Celery is the alter ego of the Wilmington Blue Rocks, Mister Celery. Like he he comes out when he's uh, you know when he's not celebrating a run in Wilmington, he's solving crimes in Buffalo. That's 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 my theory right there. Pat, this has been so much fun to talk about this brand. There's so much to delve into and so much history, and and I I really enjoy how you all have maintained the the classic look and feel of the brand, but then also had that minor league baseball fun with some of the alternates that you've done and and really tapping into that local community. So where can people find you? Uh, where can people find the uh, the Bisons on uh, on social media? Sure. For the Bisons, uh, you can find us at Buffalo Bisons on, on Twitter or uh, facebook.com slash Buffalo Bisons, Instagram at Buffalo Bisons as well. For myself, um, you can find me on social media at Pat WGR, um, P-A-T-W-G-R for the radio station that uh, I work for as well. And uh, you can find all my stuff there. And, you know, hopefully folks find this entertaining and and will, uh, you know, be able to enjoy some Bisons baseball along the way. Well, and I forgot to mention that I've been to one Bisons game. I had uh, a work thing in Syracuse and actually flew to uh, Buffalo so that I could see a game and then drive to Syracuse. So I I will try to get back to Buffalo and catch another game and, and come say hi in person. Sounds great. Can't wait, Paul. Thanks for the time. Welcome back, everybody. 
I am pleased to welcome returning guest, frequent guest, Baseball by Design's wildlife correspondent who comes on the podcast to talk to us about animals whenever there are animal-based mascots and logos to discuss. We are talking about the buffalo bisons right now. Ranger Amy Burnett, hello. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Well, I'm very pleased to be talking about a classic AAA minor league baseball brand with you. Obviously, we're going to be talking about bisons, mm -hmm. buffalo. Are they just called Buffalo bison, which is basically like saying wrong name for bison and bison. You got right to it. You got right <laughs> to that joke. I would, the, I mean, the over under was like 30 seconds on how long it would take you to get to your anti colloquial use of buffalo interchangeably with bison or bisons. Hey, you know that I'm just about as much of a nerd as you are. I'm just nerdy about animals instead of baseball. The city of Buffalo. Okay is named for a Native American term for Great River. The term buffalo is often used interchangeably for the American bison. Right. And you came in here with your pedantry. I did. And it took less, I mean, we have to go back to like the, the tape here and see how long it took, but it might have taken less than 15 seconds. Did you actually bet on this? Uh, there's no actual money on it, but it certainly was predicted earlier in the episode, yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So anyway, we've established that 99% of English speakers will use the terms buffalo and bison interchangeably. People who watch baseball in New York will use the term bison and bisons interchangeably. And that's mm. we can get pedantic about uh, yeah, about grammar things bison. there, too. But I told you that I saw deers today. <laughs> you did say deers today. I made you laugh. But otherwise, how do you know that I saw multiple? But yes, it is bison, not bisons. Or bisons. But anyway, they are the largest land mammal. Did you know that? Pretty cool. Bison are the largest land mammal. They are. Yeah. Isn't that cool? They're actually our national mammal. So we used to have about 30 million bison in the U.S., which okay. is a lot. Um, they were almost hunted to extinction, almost, almost. Uh, there were fewer than 400 left in the U.S., and now they're about there are about half a million bison in the country. So we so we had 30 million bison 30 million. in the country. They were largely hunted to extinction. I know that the the westward expansion and the building of railroads had a lot to do with that they just they wanted to, they were in the way of the railroads there are a couple of different theories about why the buffalo were on oh cut Look that out no, no 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 we got to leave that and you just said buffalo talking about the Sorry animal about. anyway so there were a couple of different theories as to why bison were almost hunted to extinction one thing that you probably do know is that before horses and gunpowder were introduced to the native american tribes across the west they used to stampede bison to their deaths off cliff and they one stampede or jump as they would call it would feed um the whole tribe for a, about a year so they used all parts of the bison as you know for food clothing shelter everything everything was used even the horn was used however the u.s army seeing that this was a big huge food source and wanting to rid the west of native americans one thing that they did do is decide that they were going to rid the West of bison because that was Native Americans' food source. And so they had the U.S. troops and um, market hunters were actually recruited to kill off uh, the bison. And and uh, was pretty successful. That is tragic and awful. Hard truth, absolutely. The current day, 
current day, bison are actually sort of getting their revenge against us because more people are injured by bison every year in Yellowstone than any other threat <laughs> in the <Yeah>. park. <laughs> okay, but this is not bison fighting back. I have seen these videos yeah. at Yellowstone of people being idiots. They're getting their revenge. People think like, oh, I'm in a national park. These must be like domesticated in some way. And they like walk up to like scratch a bison on the yeah. head and they get tossed 30 feet in the air. <laughs> I need to have the shirt that says, don't pet the fluffy cows. Don't pet the fluffy cows. <laughs> seen the t-shirts. People are idiots, right? Like, I mean, oh, going to Yellowstone and you see these gigantic, yeah. turns out they're the largest mammal they're the largest, largest land, land mammal, mammal. Yeah. in North America North or America. anywhere? Yeah, in North America. Okay. Yeah. What about a beached whale? Well, that's not a land mammal. Oh, I see. Okay. I mean, I guess it's temporarily a land mammal. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I have some kind of funny stories to tell. I mean, okay. they're not funny. They're funny now. They probably weren't funny there. But, you know, back in 2020, one person was knocked to the ground and injured because they had approached too closely. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Dumbass. Um, And then in... June, so the next month, a 72-year-old woman was um, got within 10 feet several times for a photo op, and she was gored. Yeah. Yep. So surprise, surprise. Uh, she was airlifted, but she was okay. So Okay. And as recent as July 2023, a 47-year-old woman was drinking coffee, and so I'm having this picture. I don't know if she was sitting down drinking coffee or standing up and looking at the, the bison. Anyway, the, she was too close. The bison decided... The male bison decided that she he was going to charge, and he did. And uh, he flipped her in the air a couple of times. Oh. Um, <laughs> the person that she was with said that, yeah, she did a couple of back flips in the air and landed flat on her back. Oh, my gosh. And um, so that was kind of a, a crazy scenario. These all sound like nominees for the Darwin Awards. Well, you know, when you see a – if you knew, like, how – if you really think about how dangerous these animals are, like, why would you even – why aren't people running away from them like they do bears? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, more people are killed by bison than bears in Yellowstone Park. Think about that. Mm. But the funny thing, kind of interesting part of that story was that the guy who watched the 47-year-old woman get flipped in the air a couple of times and was telling the story to all the news reporters was intending on proposing to her oh. on this trip to Yellowstone. <laughs> <laughs> she ended up getting flipped by... Um, by the bison, uh, he did propose to her in the hospital room oh. um, as she recovered. I but... thought maybe he was reconsidering after watching her do that. Well, I was thinking, yeah, maybe. Don't go near bison when you're at Yellowstone National Park, please. Just stay, just stay away. Yeah. Um, so um, one last story about bison kind of getting their revenge on us mm -hmm. is that um, a woman was gored back in 1984. And you're probably wondering why I'm bringing this one up, but it's just because it's uh, in three years later, the woman decided to sue for getting gored by a bison. Mm. She sued for $1.6 million. And she said National Park Service had failed to warn her of the danger of the, my injection, fluffy cows. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what do you think? Do you think she won? I think she did not win. I'm going to have faith in the system that she did not win because the Park Service does a very good job of warning people, <laughs> don't go near the fluffy cows. She did not win. Yeah. There were signs that she ignored the judge said you cannot force people to read the signs. And the judge also said that she was within 15 feet and that a 2,000-pound animal with horns is nature's warning. <laughs> so I kind of love that. All right. Yeah. So let's bring this to baseball here. Yeah. You're the, the buffalo bisons. You're 
named for this gigantic animal, the national mammal that is going to charge you if you get too close. There are rules in baseball now where you can't just take out an infielder if you're running the base paths. And maybe this is why the, the Bisons have not had the same success recently that they had, you know, early on in the in the days of this this current Bisons franchise. You've taken away their ability to just like run a player over in the base paths. Okay. So now I'm curious, like what are the what are the things that would make a bison a good baseball player? Well, it's pretty easy actually. Okay. How fast can you run? How many miles an hour? I ran today. I ran eight and a half uh-huh. miles and it was a I was running at a pace of about nine and a half minutes. Okay. So what does that translate to miles per hour? Uh, probably like six and a half miles an hour. Okay. How much, how fast do you think a bison can run? Miles an hour. Faster than a 47 year old lady who was 15 feet away drinking coffee. (laughs) Exactly. They can run 35 miles an hour. 35 miles an hour. So three times faster than the average person. So. Wow. Okay. So basically, remember we were watching that movie the other night. The Battered Bastards of Baseball? We were watching the Battered Bastards of Baseball. Stay tuned next week. For Rob Nelson, talking about the Portland Mavericks on the Baseball by Design podcast. And that guy was super, super fast. Remember that one guy from the Mavericks? was super Reggie fast. Thomas. Ah, Reggie Thomas. Thank you. I couldn't remember his name. But he was super fast. Um, but even even he was no match for an average bison who could run 35 miles an hour. So mm. go figure. So that's the most obvious thing when it comes to bison, What why they would be a, a great baseball player. But they are very agile. Believe it or not, Like mm. they look like they're like, you've heard of the term bull in a china shop. Mm-hmm. So you think like bison in a china shop. Yeah. They were really like, you'd think that they were really clumsy, but they're actually really agile. Yeah. They spin and they can jump fences. Whoa. I'd like to see that. Yeah. And they can swim. I mean, I don't know how swimming applies to baseball but the fact that they're agile and they jump fences mm-hmm. and they spin i can't jump a fence so basically they can jump higher than the average human too so that i think that those three things would make them a pretty good baseball player that sounds pretty good to me that sounds like uh like someone i'd want on my team i do speaking of the national park service i do have a question mm. about the bison because I, you've not been to yellowstone i've not it's my bucket list. Yellowstone is pretty amazing. It turns out it's not just a TV show with a lot of cursing. <laughs> it is a, an incredibly beautiful place where you see these sweeping expanses and these herds of bison that just go on forever and ever and ever. And it's a, yeah. it's pretty amazing to see. Uh, my question for the Park Service, though, is like at the end of the day, they shut out all the lights in the park and, and they've got to put the animals away. Where do they put all those animals? <laughs> People listening might not know that I used to be a National Park Service ranger, and so I have a big love for the national parks, and I have heard these silly things. Like uh, when I worked at Point Reyes National Seashore, um, someone came up and asked what time we feed the whales. (laughs) (laughs) So people don't make this up. It really does. Where's the elevator to the bottom of the Grand Canyon? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, So speaking of national parks and Yellowstone, um, Yellowstone is the only place in the U.S. where bison have been uh, continuously living since prehistoric times. Ooh, that's cool. So that's kind of a cool thing to know. That's a very cool thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, however, the herds are doing so well that when they um, move <laughs> off, I'm laughing. You made a little cow sound there. Yeah. Now you're pleased with yourself. Do bison also move? They kind of snort and make oh, weird, mo- okay. kind of like grunting noises and like really big, like groans and big, like, um, kind of you know growls and grunts and all the you know things you would expect 
mm -hmm. come out of bison. We have just north of here on the like literally on the Colorado Wyoming border, mm -hmm. we have the Terry Bison Ranch where they've got like this little train where you can get on the train and you take it out into the pasture where they have all the bison. And the bison know when they see this train to come up to the train because they give you buckets of food to feed the bison. And so that you give them these like pellets and they like take their gigantic head and sort of hold it out to you and you feed them these gigantic pellets and they reach out with these gigantic blue tongues and take the take the pellet from you. Oh, we're just talking about don't get too close to the fluffy cow. This is a controlled environment. These are where not wild animals. They're not wild animals. They're on a ranch and you're on a train. So they they're, they're not going to you're not okay. out there with them. But you you can feed the bison. Okay. And then uh, and then it's also the smallest interstate railroad in the country because it like does this little two mile loop uh, on the Colorado Wyoming border. Where would it go? Will you I'm, take me? Okay, we can go there. Yay! And then can we drink beer after? Oh, you know what you can do after is you can eat a bison burger in their <laughs> restaurant. That sounds horrible. That sounds <laughs> awful. Oh my gosh, that's so wrong. It's delicious. <laughs> well, speaking of eating, um, one thing that they do have in common with a baseball player is an enormous appetite. Mm. But um, they are vegetarian, so that's something they don't have in common. But they eat for um, they eat between nine and eleven hours out of their day. It's good living. <laughs> not like that yeah um and they're a little bit like a pitcher they're always giving signs so you have to kind of watch tell me about this um if you want to know if a bison is ready to charge at you just watch their tail the tail is down and kind of switching twitching like a cat's tail you're good okay the tail is up watch out this is something you excel at is watching the tails of baseball players <laughs> wow paul <laughs> did you really just say that oh boy anyway um, did you know that I'm related to Buffalo Bill Cody? No, that guy's a douchebag. <laughs> He's totally awful. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't tell many people this, but I'm a direct descendant. He's like a great, great, great uncle. But we can, like, we, a family name um, in my family is Cody. And so, yeah, we are directly related to that Buffalo Bill Cody jerk. Wow. Killed so, so many buffalo, oh, excuse me, who killed so many bison. Oh my gosh. It's so hard to get out of the habit of saying so anyway, um, I'm shocked that you're in the habit at all. I had no idea. This is also something I'm learning about you is I, I, I thought you'd be, no, you know, I talk about bison very often. And so okay. I hear people say it. It's just one of those things. You just slip into it, you know? Like, yeah. So anyway, I, I'm sadly related to Buffalo Bill Cody, and he was, uh, he was responsible for the slaughter of thousands and thousands of Buffalo and oh, I did it again, thousands and thousands of bison. And he, uh, bragged about it and he had the wild west show which kind of went downhill because he was a drunk uh so toward the end of it he tried to save himself by apologizing and he, he was like no native americans are not bad after all we shouldn't kill them we shouldn't be killing bison and uh, he tried to make up for it but in my mind i think that by being a wildlife ranger i've tried to make up for it there you go you're you're paying the the dues of buffalo bill cody ranger amy burnett Thank you so much for coming on. This episode has been even wilder than usual. The Wild Wild West. Learned a lot of things uh, about you and bison. <laughs> we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks for having me and keep your tail down. All right, everyone. Welcome back. It is time once again for your favorite segment on Baseball by Design. It is Studio Simon Stumpers, where Dan Simon of Studio Simon brings a trivia question related to the subject at hand. This week, we're talking about the Buffalo 
bisons. As we've discussed, Dan, it's the buffalo bisons, not the buffalo bison. So welcome back. How are you doing? You you are fantastic. <laughs> hey, so we can we can uh, we'll, we'll both agree on that because yes, I'm always fantastic, Paul. How can I not be when when I'm together? on call with you to to do a stumper um your podcast is always so fun and i get to be part of that fun by trying to come up with um a stumper that's both educational and entertaining um so here we go in 1978 buffalo mayor james d griffin and an investment group purchased the double a eastern league's jersey city a's for $55,000, imagine a minor league team costing $55,000, um, and moved the team to Buffalo, where they began play as the Buffalo Bisons at War Memorial Stadium in 1979. Now, the team existed before then. This was that particular iteration of the Buffalo Bisons. Um, and they would play there until 1987, after which they moved into newly built pilot field where the bisons play to this day uh though the stadium is now known as salem field um so our studio simon stumper today goes back to their previous field war memorial stadium and asks what noted baseball movie was filmed at war memorial stadium was it a eight men out b a league of their own, or C, the natural. Now, before we're going to come back to those choices again, so I can remind you of it. Let me just add one thing to this. Per my notes, War Memorial Stadium opened in 1937. Okay, that gives you an idea of what the stadium might have looked like when built. Mm -hmm. So your, your three choices for the noted baseball feature film that was filmed at War Memorial Stadium. A, Eight Men Out, B, A League of Their Own, and C, The Natural. That last little hint that you dropped sort of changed my mind. I was I was immediately going to go Eight Men Out because I had it in my head that The Natural and A League of Their Own were filmed at different places. I'm not trying to like help you here then again i'm not trying to hurt you but let me give you one little other piece of information okay. which we will cover after you give your answer okay. each of these films were filmed at a different stadium so yes. okay so i don't know if that helps or not but I, i'll i will give you that other bit of information okay i could be completely off base here i thought a league of their own was filmed in evanston so the stadium was built in 1937. Eight Men Out was set in 1919. I wonder how much that matters. I don't. I don't exactly know the answer to this question. So I. I. You. You've always instructed me to go with my gut. I don't think it's a league of their own. I don't think it's the natural because the natural. It had something to do with the Northwest Arkansas Naturals. That's one of the reasons there was a connection to the natural with the Northwest Arkansas Naturals. It's one of the reasons they're called the Naturals. So I'm going to go with my initial instinct, which was eight men out, even though that's set in 1919 and that stadium wasn't built until 1937. So you're going with eight men out. 
I'm going with eight men out. Okay. Paul, are you familiar with um, this new thing? I guess it's a relatively new thing, the Immaculate Grid? Yes. Okay. Um, for those of you listeners who are not familiar with it, for me to describe what it is right now will take a little bit too long. So so Google it. And if, if you're a baseball fan and you haven't heard of it, I think you're going to like this thing. But I have shared with you on, on several occasions, go with your first, um, you know, thought. Yeah. Um, and I try to live by that myself because I've learned the hard way. I was just doing an immaculate grid earlier this week. And I was in a role of having immaculate grids where I've gotten all nine correct. And I was down to the last one and I was not certain of it. And the first thing that came to my mind, I was going to put, and then I gave it a little more time and I thought of something and another thing popped into my mind. And there was something about that second one that was pushing, the, the, the pendulum was swinging in that direction towards the second one. But I was thinking about what I tell Paul Caputo <laughs> and what I've told you so many times on, on this on this segment of the podcast is go with your first inclination. I fought that. I went with my second inclination and the second inclination turned out to be correct. Mm. And my first inclination, it could have been right as well. There are, more, there are sometimes more than one possible, not only sometimes, most of the time, more than one possible correct answer for these each of these nine grid squares. Um, and but but my first one would have been wrong. So throw out throw that out <laughs> from now on because had you not gone with your first inclination, you were correct about a league of their own. Okay, that was that was filmed. Now you said Evanston. Um, it was it was specifically in Evansville, but you you were close enough for for government work as they say <laughs> um so um the correct answer is the natural okay um which was filmed in 1983 um and war memorial stadium for whatever it's worth was demolished in 1989 hmm. um now um eight men out baseball scenes were filmed at bush stadium in indianapolis um, which was built in 1931 and was the home of the AAA Indianapolis Indians until 1996, uh, when the club moved into their new downtown ballpark that they still occupy, Victory Field. Um, now, the cool thing about Bush Stadium, I love this, love this, love this. Um, as opposed to a lot of older stadiums, which for, for usually good reasons are demolished, Bush Stadium was repurposed Parts of it were demolished, but they re retained much of the exterior facade and the original lights are still standing. And it reopened in 2013 as loft apartments. Oh, and I cool. remember when when seeing that at the time when it happened 10 years ago and thinking if I was, you know, I was ma was married, still am. Um, and I was thinking, boy, if I was single and I was living in the Indianapolis area, I would I would move there in a heartbeat. How cool would that be to live in what was once and still from the exterior appears as um, a classical baseball stadium. So that's the story of Eight Men Out. Um, as far as a league of their own goes, 
the baseball game scenes were filmed at two different stadiums. The the home games for a league of their own were filmed at League Stadium in Huntingburg, Indiana, which was built way back in 1894, but it was renovated in 1991 specifically for, for the filming of the movie. Um, today, it is home to the collegiate summer league, Dubois County Bombers, um, which coincidentally, one of my son Casey's travel ball teammates um, played a summer of collegiate summer league ball at, for the Bombers at that stadium, which I've not been to. I need to get there. Mm. Um, so I mentioned for a league of their own, it was filmed at two stadiums. The championship game in the league of their own um, movie was shot at in Don Mattingly's hometown of Evansville, Indiana at Bossy Field, which was built in 1915 and is still in use as the home of the independent Frontier League's Evansville Otters. Perhaps someday uh, will be featured on the Baseball by Design podcast. I would like to feature them. Okay, which makes Bossy Field the third oldest ballpark still in regular use uh, behind only what two ballparks is Bossy Field not older than that's still in regular use in professional baseball. Really? If, if, correct. Fenway? There you go. So you just got part two of today's <laughs> double stumpers. So um, even though you missed the first part, you, you, you're back all, immediately off the schneid. One last thing about War Memorial Stadium. It had the reputation of being so poorly maintained that it earned the nickname The Rock Pile. Oh, no. which, which led Brock Yates, a Sports Illustrated writer, to jokingly write that, quote unquote, it looks as if whatever war it was a memorial to had been fought within its confines. <laughs> so there you go. War Memorial Stadium, the former home of the Buffalo Bisons, pronounced with a Z as opposed to owls with a Z. Oh, very good. Nice connection there. Dan Simon, thank you as always. It's always so much fun to have you on and to learn so much, so, so much information there to, to take in this time. So appreciate you coming by. And uh, we'll, as always, go follow Dan on Instagram at, uh, at studio underscore Simon. We should do that every single time. We don't do it every single time. At it's okay. I, I do not get to post um, as often as I would like, because so much of my stuff is done now and not and cannot be shown until much later. But this coming off season, there's there's at least a couple things that that are I'm, I've I've alluded to this earlier on a previous podcast. Um, there's good stuff coming up. So uh, good stuff coming up. Yep. Dan, we'll see you next week. Looking forward to it. Bye, Paul. <laughs> <laughs>